It is day two of Daf Chav Kimmel. We are holding the Gemara in Daf Chav Kimmel. I'm Adalaf, about 25 lines down from the top of the page at the double dots. The Gemara moves on in the Mishnah. We've been going through the 10 or 11 stringencies of Kodesh over Truma as it relates to Tuma and Tara, ritual purity and impurity. We went through cases 1, 2 and 3. The Gemara skips over cases 4 and 5 possibly because they have already been dealt with and referred to as we've gone through this Masechta. And now the Gemara proceeds with case number six. What was case number six? Case six was that Kalim Hanigmarim Batahara. If you have a utensil that was completed in a state of Tara, it's still Trichin Tevila La Kodesh Truma. They require immersion for use with Kodesh, but not for use with Truma. And we explain when we learned the Mishnah that while the utensil is still in the process of being made, it cannot become tummy even if it's touched by a corpse or a zav. No matter what might have happened to it earlier, as long as the completion of the vessel took place in a state of Tara and it was safeguarded from then on, it can't have become tummy. So in the case of the Mishnah, the person who made the vessel protected it from becoming tummy from the finishing stages of its production and onwards. And therefore it can be used for truma without being immersed. And the Gemara is now going to wonder if it can be used for truma, why can't it also be used for Kodesh? The Gemara says, Vessels that were completed in a state of Tahara require immersion for Kodesh but not for truma. The Gamrinan man. The Gemara says, who is the Mishnah referring to when it says that they finished the manufacture of these vessels in a state of Tahara? If you're going to tell me it's where a Chavar completed them, a Chavar is someone we've said previously is particular and careful about these laws of Tum and Tahara, then Lamalu Tvila. Why would they require immersion? Surely a chaver is careful that they shouldn't become Tomei after completion. So why are we making people dip them in a mikveh before use for Kodesh? Maybe rather than you'll say, it's not referring to where they were completed, manufactured by a chaver. Maybe they were completed by an amaretz, someone who is not particular and careful, and indeed not particularly knowledgeable about these laws of Tumantara. But if that's the case, then ignorim batara korilahu. If it's a case where an Amaret, someone who's ignorant and not careful about these laws, completed the item, then would the Tana, would the author of the Mishnah, really call them utensils that are completed in a state of Tahara? Surely not. If we're concerned that an Amaret is Tameh, then we wouldn't classify these utensils that were completed by an Amaret to be completed in a state of Tahara, because we don't trust the Amaret. And indeed, we consider him to be rabbinically in a state of Tumah. So why then would the Mishnah refer to these utensils as completed? in a state of Tahara. And therefore the Gemara has a question. Who made, who completed these utensils? Was it a Tamil Chacham, a Chaver? Or was it someone who's completely ignorant and not careful about these laws? Amr Rabbah Barshila, Amr of Masna, Amr Shmuel. Rabbah Barshila said in the name of Masna, who said in the name of Shmuel. Really like the original suggestion, the Mishnah is referring to where a Chaver completed these utensils. Ah, why then do they require immersion? Surely we can trust a Chaver to guard them. There's a concern about the possibility they contracted Tumah from the spit of an Amaretz, that the Mishnah therefore requires immersion for Kodesh. What does that mean? We're concerned that maybe unbeknownst to the Chaver, the spit of an Amaretz spurted onto the utensil while the Chaver was holding it. And therefore we're concerned that maybe it becomes Tommy. So the Gemara now seeks to qualify this and understand it a bit more. The Nafal Amas. 
When did the spit of the Amaretz fall on the utensil? If it was before the utensil was completed, then what difference does it make? Why does it have to be immersed? Halav monohu. When it's not yet legally deemed a utensil, it's, it's at the stage before completion, it can't contract tumor. So what difference if spit of an Amaretz fell on it and, and spit of an Amaretz we consider to be ritually impure? It doesn't matter. The utensil's not yet completed, it cannot contract tumor. Elabasa the Gomri. Maybe you'll suggest that the spit fell on the utensil after the Chavar completed making it, after it had been finished and completed. But that also can't be, because Mizar once it's been completed, a Chavar will be very careful with it. That's the point. A Chavar will be careful with the item once it's completed. He'll guard it from any source of Tumah. So why then are we concerned about the spit of an Amaretz? What case are we concerned about? So the Gemara answers, Le'olam the Gomri. Actually, what we're concerned about is the first of the two suggestions we just made. That the Amar Oretz spit might have fallen on the utensil before the Chavar completed it. That's what we're concerned about. Ah, you're going to ask me if it's fell on there before the Chavar completed it. What difference does it make? Because surely a utensil can't contract Tumah before it's been completed. Ah, we're still concerned because Maybe we're concerned that at the time the Chavar completes the utensil, the spit that fell on it before he completed it is still moist. So the order is as follows. The Chavar makes a utensil. He's not guarding it properly before he completes it because it's not completed anyway. and utensil can't become Tomei before it's completed. The spit of the Amaretz maybe falls on the utensil. And then the Chavar completes it. At that point, he starts guarding it properly. But it's too late because maybe the spit of the Amaretz fell on it before it was completed. And it's still wet after it's completed. And now it can become Tomei. That is something we're concerned about for Kodesh, but not for Truma. So that's basically the Gemara's explanation of the Mishnah. The Gemara now draws an inference from the Mishnah. The Mishnah told us that utensils that were completed in a state of Tara require immersion for Kodesh. Now, generally speaking, a personal utensil that's become Tommy on a biblical level and has then been immersed in a mikvah to purify them, they still retain a vestige of the prior Tumah for the remainder of the day until nightfall. That is called a Tzvul Yom. A person who's a personal utensil that's gone to the mikveh but has to wait still for nightfall, they're called a tful yom. And at nightfall, the personal utensil becomes completely tar. The Gemara says, based on the Mishnah, Tfile in Harav Shemeshlo. The Mishnah said that utensils completed in a state of Tahara require immersion for Kodesh. So the Gemara says they require immersion for Kodesh, but they don't require waiting for nightfall. We don't have to wait for nightfall after the immersion. They become Tahara immediately. Even though on a biblical level, anything or anyone that requires immersion has to wait until the night before they become Tahara. Here we're dealing with rabbinic Tumah. We're dealing with a rabbinic stringency that says you have to dip this item in a mikveh before you use it for the purposes of Kodesh. And the Gemara says that requirement only requires you to dip it in a mikveh. It does not require you to wait until nightfall. The Gemara says, If that's the case, that we can infer from our Mishnah that you only have to dip the item in a mikveh but not wait until nightfall, that would imply that the Mishnah is not like the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. This is as we learned in the following Mishnah in Parah. The Mishnah in Parah is obviously discussing the laws of the ashes of the Parah Aduma. And there's a very important piece of background here. The Tzedukim, who were a heretical sect who argued with the rabbis who we take our tradition from, the Tzedukim, the Sadducees, maintained that the service of the Parah Aduma could not be done by a person or with a utensil that was a Tzvul Yom. In other words, that had been to the Mikvah but hadn't waited till nightfall. They required people and utensils that were absolutely tar. They had this khumra, this stringency. They thought people or utensils used for the 
for the processes and the rituals of the ashes of the Paraduma had to be completely tahor. But the rabbi said, no, a twil yom is fit for the Paraduma service. Even if they've been to the mikveh, the item or the person has been to the mikveh but hasn't been waited till nightfall, it's still fit to use for the ashes of the Paraduma for the service. Now, in order to openly reject the view of the tzedukim, the rabbis decreed that any vessels that were susceptible, able to become tommy, that were used for the para-aduma service, should first be deemed tommy, and then immersed in a mikveh, and then used before the arrival of nightfall. So everyone would know that the service is being done specifically by someone who's a tzvulyom. Even though the rabbis, of course, would allow someone who is who was 100% purified to do this service as well. But in order to show that they disagree with the Sadducees, they said, whatever utensil you have, render it tommy, then dip it in a mikveh, and then use it before you wait for nightfall. So you can show everyone that we disagree with the Tzadukim. The Tzadukim say, someone or something that has been to the mikveh but not waited till nightfall cannot be used for this service. But we the rabbis say, no, it absolutely can. And we're going to use utensils that are in that state, a state of a Tzadukim, where they haven't waited till nightfall, though they've been to, they, they have been to the mikveh for the purposes of this service. So we learn in this Mishnah, a reed tube that one cut for putting the Khatas ash into it, the ash of the Paraduma. Rabbi Lezer says, Yitbal miyat. He should immerse it immediately. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, First, he should render it Tomei, and then he should immerse it in a mikveh. Now, what are they arguing about? Rabbi Lezer basically says, Why do I need to make it Tomei? It's already Tomei. Why is it already Tomei? Because any utensil, we said in our Mishnah, any utensil, even if it was completed in a state of Tara, we have to assume it's Tomei if we want to use it for the purposes of Kodesh. We have to dip it in a mikveh. So don't worry about making it Tomei first, Rebbe says. Our Mishnah already tells us that any utensil, even if it was created in a state of Tara, we have to assume it's Tomei and dip it in a mikveh before we use it for Kodesh. And the Paraduma ashes are definitely Kodesh. So Rebbe says, you know it's Tomei, so dip it in a mikveh and you're good. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, the ruling of the Mishnah, that we have to assume that the item is Tomei, even if it was made in a state of ritual purity, that is not sufficient to render it Tomei. You have to make it Tomei first and then dip it in a mikveh. Vahavi number. Now, before the Gemara goes on to prove what it wants to prove from Rabbi Yezir, the Gemara says, Vahavi number. We asked a question on this Mishnah. The Chot Kaman, who cut the tube? Who created this utensil? Who created this, this tube of reed? This is a very similar discussion to the one we had a few minutes ago. If you're going to tell me a chaver cut it, someone who's particular about the laws of Tuman Tower, why would I need to immerse it in a mikveh? Because surely I trust him. I trust him to keep it tahor. Maybe you'll tell me an Amaretz cut the reed and he made the, he made the utensil. But then why would Rabbi Yeshua say that he has to make it Tomei first and then immerse it? It's already Tomei. If an Amaretz is the one who created the utensil, we don't trust him. And we do consider the utensil already to be Tomei. So which, what is the case here? Who was the person who created this utensil? Who's the one who cut the reed in the first place? Rabbi Bar Shila said the name of Masna, who said the name of Shmuel, 
Actually, as originally suggested, the Mishnah refers to where a Chavre cut it, and we're concerned about the possibility that the tube contracted Tumah from the spit of an Amaritz. Again, the Gemara says the same question, the line of questioning it did before. When did this spit supposedly fall or possibly fall on this reed? If it was before the tube of reed was cut, then it wasn't a utensil. It can't become Tumah anyway before it was a utensil. Maybe it was after the Chavre already cut it, but if it was after he cut it, of course he's going to be very careful that it shouldn't become Tommy. So when are we concerned for the spit to fall? And again, the Gemara gives the same answer that it gave before. Really, it's as Shmuel originally, as originally suggested. Shmuel is concerned that the spit might have fallen on the tube before the Chavar cut it. Are you going to ask me if it was before the Chavar cut it? It wasn't a utensil yet, then it cannot contract Tommy anyway. What are we worried about? Because we're concerned, even though it can't contract Tommy before it's cut, maybe at the time that he cut it, the spit that fell on it before it was cut is still moist and it will render it tummy and therefore we have the stringency for Kodesh in this case. Now we haven't really finished the question that we wanted to ask. We will recap on the key elements tomorrow morning before we begin but I wish you all a very good day.